Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast, September 18th edition, brought to you by Draft Beast and on it. Guys, go to Draft Beast to get the most fun fantasy football experience you will ever have. All kinds of fantasy sports over there, Draft Beast. Uh, I speak highly of their Goon Games, where you pick the most penalized players. Fortunately, the Bengals and the Steelers is going on today, so I hope that you all just selected a roster full of those guys because some stuff's going down there, you guys. Also, on it, go to on it, check out their great supplements, equipment, apparel. You can go to our podcast page at fightful.com slash podcast. Open up any of those and you'll see that big blue on it link. And you will just be amazed at the fantastic stuff that on it brings you. Their alpha brain, shrewd tech, and new mood are the reason that I'm able to work 60, 70 hours a week. I love it. Check it out. Support the podcast. I am joined by Showdown Joe. We're talking UFC Fight Night Hidalgo uh, a little bit more. Joe, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm kind of glad we're doing this uh, today because last night, I don't think you and I would have been very functional uh, considering uh, the personal stuff that we had to take care of. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm digging that poster over your left shoulder. Uh, Is that you uh, with the hands up? It is. I showed Vince Russo. Are you able to hear me okay? I just switched the setting on my mic. I showed Vince Russo this. This is a Pineapple Express mock poster. <laughs> and we're not, we're not weed smokers per se, but I thought it was good for the wedding. This is a mock boxing poster. I love it. And good, good. My, my wife is glared out. I don't like to add her to my podcast and stuff. I don't mind talking about her, but you get some real creeps on the internet, man. But... Yeah, and also uh, my brother-in-law made me this sweet Kentucky emblem out of wood. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, some some wedding decorations that that were, were left over, and I thought could live make my, make my background a little more lively, per se. Well, people are people ask me like, what are those things above my head? So what I'll do is I'll try and tilt my camera. All those are just a small portion. Uh, of every UFC that I've ever covered. That's uh, oh, nice. three things, and I've got two more 
that I'm putting up to my left, one more probably going to the right. And of course, being the proud Italian that I am, I do have the 2006 World Cup champions uh, poster over there. And I got a nice Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston, knocking him out. Uh, and what do I have there? I've got uh, GSP, David Loazzo, and Stephen Wong from The Striking Truth uh, giving me an old happy birthday uh, poster and sign. So good stuff. We have UFC Fight Night Hidalgo. We've got a little bit of boxing to talk about. I'll go ahead and get into the boxing a little bit. Not, not. We're not going to break down the fight, per se, although in the future I would like to have Carlos Toro on to do that as he covers boxing for us. Canelo Alvarez, big finish last night against Liam Smith, one of the nastiest body shots I've ever seen. Did you get to see that that finish? I saw the highlight, yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. Damn. Triple G also had a finish last weekend. They got to make this fight happen. I don't want this to be another boxing super fight, big fight that happens way past their primes and all that stuff. Because I don't know if if it was the same with you, Joe, but after Mayweather and Pacquiao, I was just fatigued of those two. I was all—I mean, they they broke records with their pay per view, but after it, I was just like, uh, with with the way the fight went down and. It being revealed that Pacquiao had an injury. It's just like I had such fatigue over that entire situation. I want a Canelo Triple G fight to happen. Yeah, there's a science uh, to promotion. Uh, that one took way too long. Uh, I also think it was very strategic by, um, by Mayweather in his camp because obviously there's a bit of a, you know, an age difference there. So the longer they took, the older each guy got. But there was always that youth advantage for Mayweather, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, pretty strategic. And no matter what, Mayweather was making all kinds of money, no matter what. Uh, as for Canelo and Triple G, uh, yeah, I, 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 if we're going to see that fight, let's do it now. Uh, I don't know how many guys around both of them in, in the rankings that they still need to fight before they those two need to get together. I mean, let's just do it and, and see what happens from there. But um, boxing is boxing, Sean. You and I both know that. Whereas when it comes to MMA, uh, all the big fights generally get done. Uh, I mean, how many are we actually waiting for in the world of MMA? I mean, there's Chael Sonnen and Vanderlei Silva, which I'm sure we're going to get soon. Uh, but they're pretty much any and every fight that we've wanted to see has, you know, eventually happened. And this is a big one for boxing. And they do need it because the UFC has been kicking their ass on pay-per-view this year. I mean, real bad. And now the uh, Premier, uh, Premier Boxing is is part of the reason for that because a lot of these fights are free. But, man, UFC is on a hot streak. Boxing, not so much. I'm not going to be one of those guys that says boxing is dead. Boxing is dead. That's not true. Also, uh, Oscar De La Hoya's boy got a win last night on the undercard. I thought that was a good idea, putting Diego De La Hoya on the undercard of this this Canelo fight. But uh, Oscar's got to stop protecting Canelo. I mean, there's there's the talks there. The Triple G fight has to happen. It needs to happen. I don't want to wait until late next year. I want that fight early next year, maybe. I'm sick of waiting. Sick of it. I don't. I don't know what Either it way. is. Yeah, it's like, are they worried that there aren't enough stars? Because really, there are. There's some good boxers out there that are beginning to build names. And no matter what happens, whether Oscar wants to protect um, Canelo or not, if he loses to Triple G, that's okay. There's always a rematch available. And there's so many other guys that you can then start promoting and Canelo can do whatever, or vice versa. If Canelo takes out Triple G, doesn't, I don't think it's going to destroy Triple G's stock. You just got to keep going, right? It's just 
there are stars there. The more fights you put on, the more stars you build. And like you said, put the right guys on the undercard, like the UFC always does. Uh, not even on the undercard, just a couple fights down. And you start continuing to build those stars. I've, I've never been one of those guys, uh, like you said, boxing is dead. It's not dead. It just needs to be revitalized. And that's all it really is. Boxing is fantastic. You talk to half the people. Listen to, listen to some of the analogies on sports radio. They don't say that, you know, this, this, um, this situation happened. You know, this guy got knocked out. Just like a boxing. This was a boxing fight. They don't say it was a UFC fight. They don't say it was a mixed martial arts fight. People still are still saying this was a knock them, drag them out boxing fight. So it's still there, right? So it takes a while. There's always somebody there. There's just always somebody there, and they need to make this fight happen. And that seems to be the main story. For the last eight, nine years, the real story in boxing has always been they need to make this fight. They need to make this fight. Not this fight is happening. I think that's pretty telling. It didn't seem like that when I was growing up in the 90s. It really didn't. It really seemed like a lot of the best were fighting the best. You had Tyson Holyfield, Tyson Lewis, uh, Holyfield Lewis, things of that nature. But the heavyweight boxing scene was in much better shape back then as well, which made it an even bigger sport. But either way, UFC Fight Night Hidalgo. Boy, Michael Johnson looked really good. Well, <laughs> what went through your mind when that happened? I know what went through my mind because uh, I was like looking at Dustin Poirier saying, um, Dustin, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, I don't think you and I discussed the fact that – I mean, did we, did we even give John fight? What was that? Sorry. Sorry, he must, must have cut out there. I, leading up to this event, we basically were, were, were kind of leading – heavily towards Poirier, if I'm not mistaken. Did we really give Johnson yes. much of a uh, a chance in this fight? No, we didn't. And it was really weird matchmaking by the UFC to put a guy who was on a four-fight winning streak against a guy who was on a two-fight losing streak. I thought that was weird because now you had this situation where Michael Johnson did beat Dustin Poirier. And it's like where – John, John Anik on the, on the call saying things like, Michael Johnson just launched himself in a title contention. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's let's just chill out on that because no, he didn't. He looked really awesome against a really awesome fighter, but Dustin Poirier has had some some defense issues in the past, and it's been really the story of his of his losses are those defensive defensive flaws. That was the case here tonight as well. Also, Michael Johnson really backing up that that talk of him being among the fastest UFC lightweights, and he also said that he had his shoulders repaired. If that's what lends to this, man, I've got some shoulder injuries. I got to get my shoulders fixed. <laughs> Jesus, this guy looked incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, I was texting with uh, Kamara Usman afterwards and, you know, Kamara was basically saying, look, man, his counters are money and they were money last night. But there's a couple of things that, um, that I think led to this victory for Michael Johnson. Number one, he could care. He, he basically didn't care at all that this was a five round fight. Like he just didn't care. Uh, and he he put the pace on very, very quickly. It was as if, and I could be completely way off base, Sean. Like, let's be honest here. It was as if Dustin was pacing himself. Johnson was bringing this fast and furious sort of, let's do this. Let's go. I'm going to make you pay. I can do this for five rounds. And we're going to just do this and go hard. And Dustin was sort of like, whoa, whoa hey, hey, come on. We got 25 minutes here. Let's just, let's, let's not go crazy here. And was just, and then when he decided to pick up the pace and started to raise his heartbeat, Johnson was already there, and his counters were, were just like like Kamaro said, money. 
and he was basically slipping and just landing those punches. Fight went a minute 35. It went 95 seconds. And by the time Dustin realized he was in a fight, he had already eaten uh, a vicious combination by Johnson, who then jumped through his guard and started pounding him in the face. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think it was more um, – well, no, it was a combination. It was Dustin Poirier's potential error in thinking he was going to pace himself and not coming out at that pace or answering that pace or doing something to slow down Michael Johnson, as well as Michael Johnson saying, screw this, we're doing this right now. I don't need 25 minutes uh, to knock you out. Yeah, Dustin Poirier looked like he never really got it going. As you said, very, he, he was pacing himself. And I think against Michael Johnson, maybe that's not a, not a good idea to begin with because Michael Johnson's a really fast starter, a traditionally fast starter. But he opened up, and the speed difference was just – noticeable immediately and I was like damn damn when, when's Poirier gonna gonna launch one and too late but I think he started to and got countered and that was it that was just it my question is where do these guys go from here Michael Johnson I would like to see if Dariush whether Dariush gets behind by Magomedov or not I wouldn't mind seeing them run that back that split decision very close fight uh from from last year because Oh man, it's talking Michael Johnson in the title picture right now. I think that's that's ludicrous. That's ludicrous when you have Donald Cerrone begging for it. Now he may never come back to that division. Um, if Dana White has anything to say, he won't. But Nate Diaz is around. Nate Diaz is Nate Diaz would get a title shot off of a loss a lot quicker than Michael Johnson would off of this win. Uh, Tony Ferguson's waiting. Khabib Nurmagomedov is waiting. Uh, you got Edson Barboza around. There are a lot of guys in line before Michael Johnson. There are four or five guys. Also, Joe. Well, actually, I, I'll I'll bring this up after. But where do you think Michael Johnson goes from here? It's tough to say, man. It's it's almost like we're in rematch territory for this guy. But it is a division uh, that has so much talent. Um, I'd like to see that Benil Darius rematch. Uh, I really would. Uh, I, the, the, there's no way the UFC is going to put that on. I shouldn't say no way, never say never, but why? There's so much talent in this division. Uh, and the fact that Johnson is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he pulls off this victory in 95 seconds. Chances are he's not injured. Uh, I, I'd like to see the medical suspensions after this event just to see if, you know, if his hands are messed up at all. But other than that, this guy can step in uh, and be a replacement for anyone and everyone competing over the next three months. I got one. Ill Will Brooks, American yeah. top team versus the Black Zillions. That's it. Conversation over. Let's move on. That is done. American top team, Black Zillion, anytime. I'm in. It's, it's just an amazing sure. rivalry. And, and I hate playing the bias card, Sean, because I'm down there in Florida so much doing Titan. And I see that rivalry all the time. I would love it. Absolutely. Will they Brooks based will the Ultimate Fighter on it. They did a whole season of the Ultimate Fighter on it. Yeah, right? And, and I got I, seeing it in person, man, it's real. You don't want to see Conan Silvera upset, Sean. I'm just, just throwing it out there. Also, I want to say uh, our former correspondent, Justin Golightly, mentioned this. I don't know if you've watched any of this season of The Ultimate Fighter. This is the way The Ultimate Fighter should have been. If you're not watching The Ultimate Fighter, at least watch the fights. This is the what The Ultimate Fighter should have always been, always, forever. Uh, if you, even if you have to track down 16 regional middleweight champions, do that. Make it something – and you know what? They don't have to get a title shot if they win. 
But just I love this format because flyweight is such a it's, it's a division where there are a lot of uncovered gems on the regional circuit. So I just wanted to throw that out there because we got on the topic of Ultimate Fighter. Dustin Poirier, his his matchups are a little more wide open. He could face anybody from you know, Michael Chiesa to Evan Dunham. Evan Dunham, who looked really good. But, um, yeah, Poirier, I think, is going to bounce back. I think he's he's really good about learning from his mistakes, but he's had, like, some defensive flaws that haven't changed. So maybe I'm giving a little, him a little too much credit. How, how do you think he'll fare moving forward? He's still very young. Listen, uh, he is young, but he's got mileage on that body. Uh, this guy's been through a fair amount of wars, especially – um, you know, back when he was training in Louisiana, not to say he's not getting uh, a lot of training in an American top team, getting his ass handed to him every day. Uh, but when he was training in Louisiana, he was taking a lot of lumps at a very, very young age. Um, I'm going to chalk this up to Dustin Poirier simply making um, some mental and tactical errors in this fight with Michael Johnson. Uh, Michael Johnson, no matter what, was going to put a hurting on Dustin Poirier some way, somehow, even in, in a losing effort, potentially. If these two guys fight 10 times, Sean, this thing will probably go 50-50. Uh, so I'm not really concerned that Dustin Poirier lost the way he did. I think I'm more concerned is, um, you know, any damage incurred, what that medical suspension would be like. That's what I'm more concerned about. Dustin Poirier is perfectly fine, in my opinion. I just personally think, and again, I could be wrong, he just made a tactical error, a psychological error, um, should have been ready to go in terms of an answer for a fighter that he's opposing that's coming up with that kind of a pace, despite it being a 25 minute fight. Um, you know, mo- most guys, when they fight 25 minutes, we know are going to pace themselves. Uh, it's not the BJ Penn unwritten rule. It just is. It's just a pacing issue that you have got more than you've got 10 extra minutes to be competing after your three rounds. So uh, I think he just made a mistake and I think he's going to be perfectly fine. You can put him up against anyone in this division. And I still think he's going to put on an amazing fight. What did you think of Michael Johnson with the trash talk after he finished Dustin Poirier? He later apologized. He said he was very emotional. He fought with his back against the wall and had to get a dominant victory, and he did. But what were your thoughts on that? I got no problem with it whatsoever. You got to bring bring the noise, man. You got to make noise no matter what you do. That opportunity to speak on the microphone on a live television broadcast um, puts a lot more stock into a fighter's um, future than at the post-fight press conference, than any interview they can do with any website, uh, any media, any anything out there. The, that time there... Fightful.com. You, yes, except Fightful.com. But the, the amount of eyeballs and people that will be talking uh, about your words are extreme when it comes to doing an interview with Brian Stan and or John Anik and or Joe Rogan and or whomever. The television broadcast is the most important. Uh, it's no different than when you and I are doing... Uh, our shows, you get a chance to interview someone. This is your time, son, to shine. This is when you want to do it because, you know, the amount of eyeballs that are going to be reading your interview or listening to your podcast in comparison to people that are watching are huge. So I got no problem with Michael Johnson doing that, whether he was emotional or not. Uh, I think it's fantastic because, again, it then goes into the highlight reels for the UFC because this is what he did uh, at that time. So no problem with it whatsoever, no matter what he said. Um, I mean, Look at Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall and what he did in those that 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 post fight f bomb laden post fight interview. People remember that. Derek Brunson defeated Uriah Hall. Now, while I thought that Uriah Hall absolutely got crushed by that by that left hand, which he circles into a lot, he did. He was doing much like Poirier. It's a flaw that he has never fixed. He did that against Weidman early in his career, and 
Herb Dean stopped it. Uriah Hall looked fine standing up. A lot of people said, well, he saved him. I don't know if that's the case, Joe. I, I don't know if I agree with that because none of the f- punches on the ground got through. Not one out of the four or five got through. I, I want to know your feelings on on the finish. D- did you think that it was warranted? Uh, no. And, and nine times out of ten, maybe more, I will always support the referee in their decision. I'd rather be safe than sorry. But I think this was a situation uh, where I think Uriah Hall could have continued. Maybe it would have been only five seconds. Right, but either way, I think he he could have continued in this fight. Um, I think the stoppage was early. I'm not going to fault uh, Herb Dean for stopping the fight. It's better safe than sorry. If he sees something uh, that the cameras didn't catch or, or just felt that it was done, it was done. I get it. Uh, but now it's up to the UFC to make the make the call should they do a rematch or not. But I think uh, Derek Brunson landing that punch and doing what he did was sick. Was fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, as for your assessment of Uriah Hall circling in the way he did, I think you're bang on. And it, it is puzzling. It is puzzling. Um, I just think Uriah Hall made a um, – I guess he made a mistake being where he was in the cage, allowing Derek Brunson to launch that attack. Uh, you've got to be – unless he was thinking counter, I'll, I'll, I'll come here on purpose because uh, you're going to start launching an attack, and then I'm going to counter and knock you out. That I understand. But if that was the case, obviously it failed. But uh, to, to answer your question, yeah, I think that the, the fight was stopped a tad early. I would love to have seen it to go on a bit more, even if it was for five seconds more, despite him being dropped uh, with that thunderous punch. There was some terrible refing on this show. And unfortunately, Herb Dean was a big part of that. I think he's one of the best, but I think it's something in the water in Texas. You go to Texas and crazy shit happens, including Herb Dean making like three bad calls. He was way late, way late to stop a couple of submissions that – put people to sleep. So, I mean, and I mean, it didn't hurt anybody, but still, if I can see it at home, he should be able to see it from two feet away. Absolutely. The Uriah Hall thing, it's puzzling because this was a guy who Chael Sonnen, after uh, that infamous, well, not infamous, famous spinning uh, wheel kick knockout, said to him in the cage, you're a contender for the middleweight title right now. And he always looked like he had the tools to do that. He looked like a guy that if you put him in there with whoever the the middleweight champion was, Uriah Hall stood a pretty decent chance of landing something to beat them as long as he didn't circle into Weidman's hand. Never put it together. Derek Brunson, on the other hand, is not a guy who has often been talked about as a contender but has earned that. He has earned that. He actually called out Yoel Romero for being on – quote-unquote, PEDs after the fight. But that, that is his only loss in the UFC, if I, unless I'm mistaken. Derek Brunson has earned his spot, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's looking fantastic. And I like this division, to be honest with you, Sean. It's, it's starting to get some, some nice little juice going there. You got Michael Bisping at the top taking on Dan Henderson. Uh, everybody wants to fight Michael Bisping. So anytime some sort of middleweight in the top 10 wins, they want a he's title a shot. champion. What's that? Beatable champion. Well, right. So uh, even George St. Pierre said he'd like to fight Michael Bisping. So uh, everybody wants to fight Michael. So anyone in this division that competes will always want to call up the champion. And the way this division is going, um, it's fluctuating a lot. Uh, I almost feel like Luke Rockhold has to come back and sort of even things out. But he ain't going to have an easy fight versus Jacare. I'll tell you that right now. I know we've seen it before, but that that this this division is sick because you could throw those two names out there. Uh, you also got like you mentioned, Uel Romero. This is a Chris Weidman. Hello, 
right? Yeah. This is a division that's going to start seeing some interesting belts uh, and a lot of changeover, I think, uh, going past the end of 2016. So uh, I think this division is going to really make big-time headlines. And for Brunson, there's a lot of options for him, man. They're, this this guy's doing some really good things. But if I can go back momentarily for, from with you talking about Uriah Hall and what Chael Sonnen did, uh, and the same thing can be said about Sam Cecilia. Um, sometimes fans, uh, fighters, UFC, media, we're always, you know, we're always, we get trapped into that recency bias, okay? What do we call, uh, like, this ultimate fighter bias where we see things happen on the ultimate fighter magnified via a TV show where something happens with a highlight, we talk about it so much, then it gets ingrained in our brains, and that's what we expect from the Uriah Halls and the Sam Cecilia when he appeared in the ultimate fighter uh, with a thunderous knockout very, very quickly. Um, you know, it, it go, go back to the BJ Penn thing. We always expect BJ Penn uh, to submit people. His jiu-jitsu is so amazing. There's got to be a name for that type of bias where we see somebody do some, something and we think that's what they're always capable of, but it never happens again. Well, I mean, in Uriah Hall's case, it did happen again with Gegard Musashi. He had that, that great that great comeback. Plus, I mean, he beat the brakes off of Chris Liebens and Ron Stallings and, uh, and a couple other guys. But uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him get that, that Anderson Silva fight, although there are rumblings that Anderson Silva could fight Rob Whitaker in Australia, and that's a banger. That's a fight. I can't. I hope that happens. Derek Brunson, on the other hand, and I do think you're you're spot on with the Uriah Hall assessment. There has to be a word for that, by the way. I would like to see Brunson get the winner of Belfort Musashi. I think that would be a, a worthy fight. Also, we had Carnero defeat Kenny Robertson. There was no double Sulev stretch submission, so I don't have to take a blade of grass across my eye. <laughs> the real thing I want to ask about here, Joe, we're in Texas. You know, the bad refing, the weird judging, split decision. One goes 27-30, one goes 28-29, one goes 29-28. What's it tell you? Yeah, it tells you there's something wrong with uh, the judges in Texas. But to be honest <laughs> with you, uh, it was a bit of a, I wouldn't say an overly challenging fight. To, to judge, I, I gave it to Hoen. I gave it to Jukau uh, from the you know after the, th- the, the three rounds were done. Uh, I, I'll be the first to admit, uh, and I'd love to talk to him. I'd, I'd probably text him and ask him, you know, what was something wrong? Because uh, he did not look like um, the Jukau that we probably all know. Uh, I wonder if age is catching up to him. I wonder if he was injured. Uh, you know, kudos to Kenny Robertson for putting the pressure on. But I mean, there were times Hoen was caught against the cage. Like, oh my God, this guy's going to get knocked out. But he was able to slip away and, and do what he had to do. I also thought he would do much better when they, when they got to the ground. Um, you know, Kenny Robertson physically didn't even look that good in this fight. Um, but fight's a fight. Anything can happen. I, just did, I was just sort of – I guess it was my own expectations, Sean, that I thought much more was going to happen in this fight. And I was sort of like underwhelmed after it was all said and done. I thought both, both guys, um, especially Hohen, I thought Jukau Canero was going to do a lot more in this fight. He didn't. I wonder why. But – uh, I'd like to find out, and maybe I will, but just kind of strange. I don't have a lot to say personally about this fight, but I want to say how awesome it is that Carnero was able to parlay this into a successful UFC run off of that Battlegrounds tournament, which, which as you've mentioned, he was backstage looking for honey just to get something in his system. Uh, I believe that was Carnero, wasn't it? Yeah. And now he's won two out of three in the UFC. 
paying some bills. Good for him. Joe, the highlight of this entire UFC show to me was Chaz Skelly. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know how to say his name beforehand. And you know, me and Matt Riddle talked about this on our Thursday show. Matt said that he doesn't typically keep up with the UFC, but he watched last week's show for obvious reasons. And we talked about the Fabricio Verdum thing. And he said, if you're Fabricio Verdum, why the hell wouldn't you do that? Because what's the worst case scenario? You're out of a, a range for a punch. You're not going to get countered if you fly through the air with a, a kick. Also, if it, if Travis Brown goes to the ground with you, good luck. And I said, you know, I, I was talking to Matt and I was like, you know what? I bet this becomes something like what we saw with Anderson Silva, how nobody used a front kick before that, that Vitor fight. Then everybody starts using a front kick. You're going to start having guys who are so confident in their ground game that they use flying ninja kicks, and they work. So far, Joe, two for two. Two for two this week. I love it. I absolutely love it. And Chad Stanley finished the fight right after 19 seconds, quickest submission in featherweight history. I'm ready for more crazy-ass kicks. Yeah, I love it. I think it's fantastic. The worst thing that could possibly happen, though, and and this is just – uh, you know, a martial arts honorable thing is, you know, when the two guys are. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In their corners, and one guy's looking at the other guy, kind of putting his hand up, like, do you want to touch gloves? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, we'll touch gloves. And instead runs out and does the jumping sidekick. I mean, that could be pretty disrespectful and and unhonorable, if you know what I'm saying. But I love it. I love the fact that, you know what, referee says go, and these guys are sprinting across. I mean, the, the the whole thing, nine times out of ten when you're a fighter, is you want the center of the octagon. You want the center of the cage. In boxing, you want the center of the ring. Uh, you want to take control of that because then you start getting – you start determining where this fight's going to go. <laughs> these guys sprinting from their corner uh, and launching these aerial kicking attacks uh, is pretty sick. So I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. But the way Chas finished off uh, Blanco was something else, man. I was like, whoa, that's uh, – you know, I guess you can be blessed that it happened early in the fight because obviously there wasn't much sweat or blood uh, kind of making everything slippery. But good on Skelly, man. Good for him. Beautiful Darsh choke. Matt Riddle seems to think that Damian Maia can get up there for one of those kicks. Do you think he can? No. To me, he's a lot like the big boss man in old WWF. You never really see him leave his feet. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, I don't think Damian can do it. But I don't. I wouldn't put it past them. But uh, I think there's nothing wrong with Damian's game right now. Damian's going to keep doing what he's doing right now, not get punched ever in a fight. What do we have now? Four fights and 13 punches landed on him? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. ridiculous. So I don't think uh, Damien needs to really do anything right now. But I do understand what Matt's trying to say because uh, that'd be absolutely hilarious. Uh, now that you've mentioned the big boss man situation, if Damien Maya does that, I hope someone's around you uh, to offer up some CPR because you, you may need to be resuscitated, probably passing out from some sort of uh, heart attack, laughing or just dying. I'm ready. I'm ready for this stuff to happen. I think it's going to – I I don't know if it's going to revolutionize. But you know what? John Jones doing those knee kicks – uh, Anderson Silva doing the front kicks, it changed the game of MMA. And obviously, Fabricio Verdum doing that last week, it already had an effect on another fight. Another guy did it. So it's, it is, it does change things. Guys, if you all haven't been to fightful.com, go do so, please. We give you two, three dozen news updates a day, even on what some people call slow days, not us. This was not a slow weekend for us. We had live viewing parties of, of Russian MMA fights. We had it of Bellator, which we will talk about shortly, uh, at least something in relation to Bellator. UFC, the, the Canelo fight. We've got more live viewing parties than any website on the internet, period. Also, you get exclusive analysis from Showdown Joe and Vince Russo. Register for free, no credit card required to get early access to our podcasts. Also, uh, the articles and columns by Showdown Joe and Vince Russo. Exclusive financial analysis from Brandon Howard. He's got a great column coming out this week. Uh, lots of exclusive interviews. We've been we've interviewed the likes of CM Punk, Chael Sonnen, Daniel Cormier, Muhammad Hassan, EC3, tons of people. Uh, we, we talked to Uriah Hall about Derek Brunson's PED accusations. News that you can only find at Fightful.com. Go there, register, you get access to our forums, which are being overhauled. Lots of stuff. Share the pages, the stories on Facebook and Facebook groups, Reddit, Twitter, all that good stuff. Also, we're revamping our podcast page so you can better see our podcast schedule. Every single weekday, I am doing podcasts with somebody, whether it's talking Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, MMA with Showdown Joe, just shooting the breeze with Matt Riddle, uh, Fridays with Vince Russo. Joe, would you believe this, that somebody said – I think that your show with Matt Riddle should be a little more structured. And I said, I don't think you know Matt Riddle if you think that anything that he does should be structured. No. It's, I, I, listen, the feedback is wonderful, but you have yes. to take a look at one of the two gentlemen uh, on the podcast. There, there's yeah. not going to be any structure. You and I can be structured because we focus on you know what we're doing, either pre, you know previewing or recapping. But how many times do you and I digress in a show? 10 times? 15 times? I'm going to digress right now. You talk about these interviews on Fightful.com. Um, a certain boss of ours, <clears throat> Jimmy Van, um, sends me this message knowing full well. We're going back and forth about me going uh, to, to Ryzen on Wednesday in Tokyo and blah, blah. And what does he throw out my way? Uh, you, probably, you probably want to do an interview with uh, Mirko Krokop. Yeah. Like Mirko Krokop is going to give me the time of day, despite me doing the play-by-play. So I already replied. So if Jimmy Van's watching this right now, you know I will endeavor to do so. But if you know of any history with Mirko Krokop, whoo, wish me luck. Wish me luck. I will try and do it. Uh, maybe I'll do something with uh, Heath Herring. We'll see what's up and every, anyone else on that show. But um, you have my word, Sean Rossap and Jimmy Van. I will do anything and everything possible uh, to get something out of Mirko Krokop, but if you've looked at the history uh, of the Croatian, yeah, good luck with that. We'll talk about more about that that Ryzen show later this week. But yeah, they got Krokop on there, Fajita on there, Kron Gracie. 
uh, Crazy Horse is on the show. How is that guy still fighting? How is that guy not involved in every CTE concussion lawsuit by now? He's fought like 60 times. He has never – he just doesn't – he took like three years off, and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to get back into fighting regularly now. Oh, this guy. Ryzen is so fun. Or Ryzen – is it Ryzen? Ryzen. Ryzen, okay. Such a fun show. Such a fun show. Darren Crickshank is on the show, too. But, yeah, um, also... Have you ever met uh, Darren Crickshank? I haven't. We were doing... So, this was in Vancouver. Matt Hughes, uh, Darren Crickshank, and myself were doing a, um, an open forum outdoors. Uh, and just we're talking about a bunch of... Just, it was just an open forum. Fans could ask us questions. I was hosting. I had, you know, uh, middleweight legend to my right. Or, sorry, welterweight legend to my right. Uh, up and coming lightweight to my left and we're talking. No, he shows up there, uh, you know, in his nice sort of, this guy's from Detroit, but he looked like a redneck. Jeans, sort of boots on, comes out there, tight t-shirt, whatever. And the fans were talking about technique and they were asking, they had asked Matt Hughes about um, if he had ever seen my show about the Fight School 101. Matt said yes and blah, blah. And Darren starts questioning me on the, on, on the stage. We're just talking, blah, blah. So he's like, look, in a situation like this, I would do this. And I'm talking, this dude's wearing like tight jeans, okay? He is throwing kicks to my head like like Gumby. These things are just flying. I'm like, no wonder you're so I, – I, sure, these things were not telegraphed, Sean. If I didn't have a microphone and I had actually put my hands up, he would have knocked my skull into like who knows where. This guy is beyond flexible. He's been training, what, karate since he was, what, three or four years old with his old man? I mean, I got to tell you, when I see a guy throwing kicks like that in jeans, that's the dude I want with me at the bar in case something goes down. It was just, it was, it was beautiful. It was technical. It was beautiful to see, but looking forward to seeing him uh, in Japan, but probably going to keep my distance, Sean. Well advised. Also uh, on this prelim show, I wanted to talk about a couple of things on it. Yeah, boy. Bilal Muhammad had a big win over Augusto Montano uh, with just under a minute left in the fight. Uh, he got the big finish. what did you think of that? Well, a couple things about that fight uh, and why I was very impressed. Before I get on to talking about Bilal, um, I want to ask you this. Montano was throwing some awesome, awesome inside left leg kicks. I know one hit the cup. That was early in the fight. But he's throwing it from a, from a, a orthodox stance. Uh, and I thought that eventually – and it worked a couple times. It was preventing Bilal from continuing to move away. So away from the power hand, away from the – Bilal was sitting there going, okay, these are beginning to hurt. And I thought for sure it would be a perfect situation for a guy who's throwing an inside left leg kick in an orthodox stance to then start throwing the right hand. But every time he threw it, Bilal was slipping, and he did land a couple. But what did you think about the fact that Montano's game plan was to really throw those inside left leg kicks? I love the setup because it creates openings. I love that because you know, traditionally you just go away from the power hand, away from the power hand. Well, if you're if you're paying for it, then you really gotta you gotta question: Do I want to be able to walk, or do I want to have to slip these punches? And that that's a that's a scenario that Bilal Muhammad had to face. I loved it. I think it was great. Uh, yeah, and one did hit the one did hit the cup. No, not like we we were we had any shortage of fouls and bad stoppages and point deductions. I mean, and of course, you got Brian Stan doing the replay. And he's like, no, 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 no. We have to listen to this. 
Look, Brian, we don't have to listen to this, bro. You know you're a dude. You've been hitting the cup before. We've all trained. We've all been hitting the cup. I don't want to hear it. But then the people that were watching it with me were like, yeah, yeah, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. What? What's wrong with you? A human being is getting nailed uh, in the groin area. What's wrong with you freaks? Anyways, it happened. It was cool. Now, just to answer your other question about what I thought about Bilal Muhammad uh, and that performance, what I was really impressed about um, uh, was the pace. The pace did not really slow down from the beginning of the fight to the final minute uh, when he got the TKO finish. His pace was fantastic, which leads me to believe, um, I know he's young, but that stamina and that cardio, this guy one day, if he continues to do what he's doing, I know it's a long way, it's the welterweight division, but this guy we know can fight for for 25 minutes because in Titan, uh, when he fought Steve Carl, that was a 25-minute fight that he was scheduled for. So this guy has cardio for days which could pose to be a lot to be a huge problem for a lot of welterweights that aren't ready to go hard for 50 minutes. I think we need to look at the fact that if Bilal has a perfect training camp, he's going to push the pace very hard and potentially doesn't finish guys early, he'll break them down. Even in the Joban fight, that thing went crazy in the final minute. The final 30 seconds of that Joban fight was absolute gong show warfare. These guys were going hard, and Bilal was doing anything and everything to try and stop that fight. So... Here we have a 170-pound fighter, and remember the name Bilal Muhammad, who's going to continue to push the pace. And I was very, very impressed with that. And getting a finish late in a fight is not an easy thing to do, so good for him. Good to see him get his first victory after being in there against a veteran. Well, pretty much, yeah, I think Juban had like five or six fights by the time they, that they, they fought in like June or July. Also... Uh, a couple quick things. Shoe face pretty much saved his job with also another late finish. 15 seconds left. Randy Brown defeated Eric Montano uh, in the third round. But the the, the real, I, I want to say the low light of the prelims was this Morales-Perez fight. There was a point deduction that was taken way too late. Then Morales kneed Perez in the head. Like, straight up hit Shinsuke Nakamura's Kinsasha finish, <laughs> running across and blasting him. I don't know if the rest, like, I don't know if, like, Perez cut the ref in line at, like, the sandwich shop earlier in the day or what happened. But there was that. And then we got a draw, a majority draw, which she, that, that happens a lot with point deductions. What do you think of the gross incompetence? from Texas as a state in this situation. How much do you know about the Texas state commission, Sean? I know they're stupid. I know they're real dumb. Okay. Well, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's your way of, of describing them. Uh, I know for, uh, which tells you how much I plan to deal with Texas in the future. Thank you. I think that's very brave of you and, and very uh, smart of you to say, um, I, I want to say this, not, not the state of people, the, the commission. I like people from Texas. I have friends in Texas. So I got pals in Texas and, and, you know, Texas is anytime you tell me, Joe, do you want to go to Houston? Joe, do you want to go to Dallas? I'm like, dude, bags packed bags here. Look packed. I'm in, I'm in. I love the state of Texas. Unfortunately, when I go to Texas, it's generally for mixed martial arts and I've got to deal some way, somehow with the commission who continue to puzzle me. And there are some highly ranked officials within the, um, uh, I guess the ABC that often look at Texas and think, why? Why do you guys continue to do it your way when it's, you don't have to reinvent the wheel? Now, um, there are some smart peeps there. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong, Sean. But overall, the, there's, um, 
a reputation of incompetence from the commission, which continues to be puzzling. Uh, the same can be said for the state of Florida, although I think Florida is continuing uh, to change the way they're doing business and it's changing. I think it's becoming much, much better uh, than years past. Uh, in, in this past week uh, or the, was it a week ago when I was in, at Titan, they're changing. But when it comes to Texas, it's puzzling, Sean. It really, really is. Like, why? Why are these referees entering there? I question, uh, and I've got no proof on this, it's strictly my own speculation, but I question if, if any of these, or not any, if some of these referees and or judges have actually been certified uh, under an accredited course by the ABC, whether it's the command course by Big John, uh, Herb Dean's course, I, I question whether these guys have actually gone through any sort of training and certification to say, this is how you ref a mixed martial arts fight. This is what you have to look for. These are what the techniques are. These are what the positions are. These are what the submissions look like. Judges, this is how you score a mixed martial arts bout. Because sometimes I wonder to myself, why? Why is this still happening? Mixed martial arts has been around since 1993 in North America. It wasn't around just yesterday. It's been around. This stuff, you know, and you're embarrassing yourself by not putting out guys that are certified and or girls that are certified. So, I mean, I, I guess it is what it is. But when it comes to government entities, Sean, you and I both know they can say and do what they want. The reality is sometimes different. Without getting on too much of a rant, it didn't stop there. I mean, it doesn't stop there. I remember when Jessica I failed for the marijuana test, that it was like one third of the limit anywhere else. And Las Vegas was like, yeah, we really don't care. We're just going to let her fight. And not to mention, a man died in the ring and the fight continued earlier this year with Dada 5000. Technically, both men in the fight that they cleared are now dead. And or have died in relation to the Dada 5000 Kimbo Slice fight. Not only that, after Kimbo Slice tested positive for steroids, they came to a settlement with him and he was going to be allowed to fight a few months later. Holy shit, what a bad commission. Either way, UFC Fight Night 94. Not a bad show. Not a great show in my opinion, but it was a show. Big news came out of Bellator this week, Joe. Chael Sonnen has signed with Bellator. That is a game changer in my opinion. That is Rory McDonald, great signing. Ben Henderson, great signing. Rampage Jackson, a very good hand despite his physical limitations at this point. Uh, Matt Mitrione, a versatile signing for Bellator. I'll say that. Chael Sonnen's probably the biggest name they have gotten. Hands down, bar none, no questions asked, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, when I saw the news that Chael had signed, uh, obviously I sent him a text and I screwed up with the text, Sean. Yes, I screwed up with What'd the text. What did you say? <laughs> I don't want to say. What'd you do? I said do? business. What I sent him. Um, bit. Hold on a sec. You're 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 messing up messing up the text. I so I screwed up so bad. I thought Chael was going to punch me in my face. If he, if he does punch me, I won't be surprised. But it, it, was, it wasn't anything bad. I guess he knew it afterwards. Uh, I said, uh, you, I'll see if you correct it. Business just picked up for Bad Boy Inc. Heck, even my wife is ecstatic about the news. Congrats. Bad Guy Inc. <laughs> so a couple hours later, I sent them What, what did he do? Did he sign with Puff Daddy's record label? 
<laughs> he actually replied back saying, uh, you know, thanks, Joe, line them up. Typical chill, just line them up, line them up. I'm going to punch out everybody. And then I realized afterwards, I said, look, man, I apologize for, for typing bad boy ink. I obviously want to say bad guy ink. Uh, it may have been a Freudian slip talking about your potential matchup with Tito Ortiz. And he put LOL understood with a couple of winks. So good on Chael for not ripping me apart because he could have called me or texted me and said, you dumb Canadian. Why are you is, so dumb? But it was something funny. that you don't know. Is he going to do a collaboration with Mace, The Locks, 112, Faith Evans? Is he going to be on this new bad boy tour that, that Puff Daddy has taken everywhere? You know, Puff Daddy does follow me on Twitter. What? Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As it turns out, he's a big wrestling fan. Cool. Very cool. So, uh, but Taylor's- there's a remarkable, there's like a weird group of people that follow me that I wouldn't have expected just because they're wrestling fans. They don't give a shit what I have to say. They just want wrestling news. That's it. Yeah, I've got some uh, some interesting people from, uh, I guess, from Hollywood, from the music industry, from um, professional sports that follow me. And I'm kind of like, that's kind of cool. I feel great, but I don't know what you want me to do, what you're trying to say, but whatever. I obviously follow back because it's kind of cool, whatever, blah, blah. But um, going back to Chael uh, signing with Bellator, uh, that is huge. Biggest name out there. Uh, he's going to bring a lot of eyeballs there just for the fact that um, he does what he does and he continues to um, – anything he does, he makes headlines. And that's what you want. So uh, whether he fights Tito Ortiz first, he's already – obviously he wants that Vanderlei Silva fight. More than happy to fight Fedor at heavyweight. Uh, Rory McDonald at 185 pounds. Uh, the options for Chael are obviously huge. I'm not sure Rory will do the 185-pound fight. Wouldn't surprise me if he does because it's a big payday. Uh, that's a pay-per-view fight. Not with Rory, I think with Vanderlei. Uh, anything Chael does is pay-per-view worthy. Um, but um, the fact that this guy has signed with Bellator leads you to believe what else potentially could be coming down the pipe. Because I, I've said it before many, many podcasts ago that you know it's not just the Viacom money. It's the business model that Scott Coker can be able, is able to convince uh, the guys giving up the money uh, to do. Now, is Chael Sonnen past his prime? Yeah, yeah, you can make that argument. But people still want to see him fight. Because if you don't think those numbers are not you, if people don't think those numbers are going to be pretty big when he returns to the cage, you're out of your mind. It's going to break some records. King Mo, Liam McGeary. Rampage Jackson, Phil Davis, Tito Ortiz, Stefan Bonner, Vanderlei Silva. Names that you can just throw them in there with. I don't even know if Stefan Bonner is going to fight again. I don't know. Put it, you know what? Put Stefan Bonner in there with Rampage Jackson. Rampage Jackson wants somebody who will stand with him all the time. I would watch Stefan Bonner and Quentin Jackson try to pick their arms up and heave them at each other for a few <laughs> rounds while, while they while they make their paycheck. Sure, whatever. It's I'll say this: it's a hell of a lot better of a main event than Czech Congo versus Tony Johnson. All due respect to those guys, and Czech Congo is. I talked to him for about twenty five minutes last week. Couldn't get the guy to be quiet. Such a nice dude. Gave me a lot of stuff, but. Don't know about that as a main event. Joe Warren picked up a win, though. That, that's good for Bellator and for him. Uh, Chael Sonnen opens up a lot of doors. To me, Joe, before this, they didn't have the option of being a pay-per-view entity. If Chael Sonnen is headlining a card, I think they can run a pay-per-view. Scott Coker says they probably won't, but I think they could. Especially 
imagine Chael Sonnen on a show with anybody. If they could put together a Shane Carwin, Fedor Emelianenko fight, that's another big fight to put on, on the show. Nice. Now, I like that. Good call on that one. I think that if Fedor was going to sign with Bellator, it probably would have already happened. But Shane Carwin's another one that I wonder. Do you think he'll sign with Bellator? If he really wants to come back and the UFC is like, look, dude, we, we, there's no room for you in this heavyweight division when there is, but there's no room for you here. We don't, you know, it, it is what it is. You had your run. You've been gone for so long. Bellator would take that, uh, would take Shane Carwin in a heartbeat. Uh, and now seeing this, anything is possible. You know, they've taken Rory McDonald. They, sorry, Rory's gone over there. They've got Chael Sonnen. The bottom line is this. When it comes to Bellator signing anybody, they can sign anybody. So don't be surprised. Anytime you and I are talking about any fighter out there, either returning or free agency or whatever, Bellator is, is, was always an option. Now we know that they're a real option. And, and, and like I said before, it was, you know, it was GSP's manager. And obviously when uh, Gilbert Melendez was going to be on the ult- – or before he getting on the ultimate fighter, um, he had basically had a deal with Bellator. Okay? And, and that was a great negotiation ploy. So they've got money and they've got the capability of doing good things. It is strange how they promote some of their events. Um, they're, they're not the UFC mass marketing machine here, but listen, they're an option for every single fighter out there. So I won't be surprised. I mean, um, I, I enjoy Bellator, always have, and sometimes it's difficult. You know, when, when we, you guys call it DVR, we call it PVR up here. Uh, sometimes trying to get there and watch the fights. Chael Sonnen's there, man. Chael Sonnen's there now. I'm watching live. They got to do a better job holding on to their homegrown talent. The the Frodos, the the Minikovs, even Volkov, even though he he went on a bit of a, a slow streak. The Ben Askrens, they gotta, they need these people to complement. It's like TNA wrestling. Bellator and TNA wrestling have drawn a lot of comparisons. They were both spike entities, and they cross promoted a whole hell of a lot. TNA got in this weird weird phase where. They would just bring in every person who had any WWE exposure and they would crap on the guys that they brought up. The people like AJ Styles, who is now a WWE product and is one of the biggest things in wrestling. You never know what these people can be. You have to use these, the Ben Hendersons, the Rory McDonald's, the Chael Sonnens, even the Ken Shamrocks, Hoist Gracies, and Kimbo Slices to put over your own talent. Will Brooks walked away from more money because he perceived them as being minor league. I think that a change in their their booking formula could help that. And Joe, there's no reason as, as we close with, and maybe this will be a long list with Lashley and Mitrione, at, at you know a few names like that. All those names at light heavyweight I mentioned, uh, the Daniel Strausses and Koreshkov and. They've got enough names to where and Chandler to where Congo versus Tony Johnson should not be headlining any show. It shouldn't be. They don't run as many shows as the UFC, and they have a good amount of talent to where they should have at least a couple of fights that you look at and say, damn, well, that either means something now or could really mean something down the line. Congo Johnson will mean something down the line because they're allegedly getting some heavyweight action going. I think there is so much potential for Bellator. They just really got to grasp it. Yeah, I just think it's it's Scott Coker having to convince the Viacom peeps and how to promote the show accordingly. I've got my own versions of, of what um, 
how to promote an event and especially uh oh, by the way that whole ultimate fighter thing that you mentioned uh i'm not going to give uh, any names away or anything like that but that was something that uh, i had some discussions with uh with my executive producer and we were talking to the ufc a long time ago about look man there's so many so many regional champions out there uh and then they came out with a couple of other shows and they did the black zillions versus att show and i'm like i don't get it i don't get it i don't know why they're doing this and then eventually and that's what the ultimate fighter was for the best of the best finally coming to the UFC. Um, you get to see these champions. And then you look at Bellator. The one thing I loved about Bellator was the tournaments. And the one thing mixed martial arts fans always love are champions. Okay? You, champions defending belts is just ingrained in our DNA uh, from the boxing days. You always want to see a champion fight. So when you put champions on, you got a tournament format, you get to follow this. People love tournaments, man, especially in North America. I'm not saying about around the world. I'm not saying anything, you know, we talk about uh, the sporting likes of Champions League soccer and stuff like that. But we as sporting fans love tournaments. And we love seeing tournaments and people advancing through tournaments uh, to eventually getting a title shot. Pride did it very, very well with their Grand Prix. Ryzen's doing it right now. We love to see tournaments. And if Bellator uh, was to consider making that a bit more heavier, uh, whenever they promote events and then the champions competing, I think it just changes the game altogether, right? Because in the UFC, uh, there aren't really any tournaments. It's just this guy fights that guy, this girl fights that girl, blah, 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 who's getting the next title shot. But when you have a tournament, you know who's getting that title shot. Absolutely. I wouldn't be opposed to them doing another comeback season as well. I think that would be another good one. Guys, Fightful.com, it's the place to be. More podcasting, more quality podcasting than anywhere else on the web. More live viewing parties than anywhere else on the web. We have MMA, boxing, pro wrestling news. Share it with your friends. Be merry. Enjoy it. Joe, anything to say to the people before we go? Yeah, we're fl- you and I will be flipping a coin over the next 24 or 48 hours, determining whether the next podcast will be me uh, from good old north of Toronto, Ontario, or me from, uh, from Tokyo, Japan. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, stay tuned. Sean and I will discuss this uh, within the next 24 hours and determine uh, what we're going to do. But uh, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, I know Sean's got, what, 20? No, it's got 18 minutes uh, to tune tune into some NFL football. So, Sean, do your thing. Eagles Steelers, you guys. I'm too excited for it. DraftBeast.com is the place to be if you want to lose all your money to me for that. Until tomorrow night, after Monday Night Raw, we are out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.